0: Hello and welcome. Start your engines at 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor, at your service. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com, podcasting and all the usual good things. And don't forget, we're streaming the radio show from cardoctorshow.com. And if you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. There, I think I've covered the bases. Um, I've got a bunch of emails I want to read. I've got some repair of the week thoughts that I want to talk about. But right now, I've got busy phones. So let's jump right in and open the phones right now, this hour. And let's go over to Tony. Tony in Ogdensburg, New York, 2002 Cadillac, and some wiper issues. Tony, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, around about a a week ago, I was coming home from a 50-mile trip, and uh, the weather was clear. And my wipers come on automatically, and they ran. I could not shut them off. Okay. The next day, I brought them to the garage. They checked everything. They couldn't find nothing other than maybe a little moisture. But it's been running good. And then a couple days ago, bang, they kicked on again. In about 20 minutes, I was able to shut them off. That's my problem.
0: You have a rain-sensing module in this car, correct? Tony, you have rain-sensing wipers that will come on automatically if it rains? No. You do not?
1: No, I don't.
0: And this is a DeVille? Yeah. Um, Do me a favor. Just take uh, behind the rearview mirror, the center rearview mirror above the windshield. All right, because if it's not this, then it's going to probably be in the switch itself, and that's harder to catch. Just be certain this doesn't have rain-sensing module built in. Most of them did, where there's a module behind the rearview mirror mounted on the windshield. Do you have a a triangular-shaped cover behind the... Rear-view mirror mounted on the inside of the glass.
1: I I believe I do, but them that's for the blinkers.
0: Mm, double check. Have your have your garage double check that. If that's the rain sensing module, all right. If this car has rain sense module on it, chances are the rain sense module itself is a problem. Uh-huh. And the easiest way it's it's a simple diagnosis because it's intermittent. What we used to do is just pry the cover down, pull down the cover gently. And disconnect the rain sense module and just drive the car. If the problem doesn't come back, it's in that module itself. That was okay. very that was very common back in the day. Sometimes people All right, don't. Good. Some, and and the reason I say just look is sometimes people don't realize that's what the car has, that it has yeah. a rain sensing module built in. There's a lot of electronics in the cars today. All right, sir. Yes,
1: there is. Okay, thank you so much, Ron. I appreciate it. You're very welcome,
0: Tony. Good luck to you, and uh, let me know if that doesn't work. Give me a call back. Let's. Uh, Let's go over and talk to Steve in Louisiana, 2012 Toyota RAV4. Steve, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? How's
2: it going, Rob? Good, sir. Nice to talk to you. Yes,
0: sir. What's going on?
2: Uh, We've got a 2012 RAV4. We just went over 100,000 miles. We've always used synthetic oil in it. And I'm just wondering if there's any other fluid that I ought to change at 100,000 miles.
0: Well, let's can we, let's talk about the 100,000 mile service, all right? Because I think that's really where you're going, right? You're, right? you're you're planning to keep this another 100,000 miles, and
2: I want to drive it till the wheels fall off. Right.
0: Now I'm with your brother because they're they're too expensive to replace. And they're uh,
2: good cars. Yeah, I mean, they're good cars. The they cars really nowadays are. can run that far.
0: Yep. It's you know it's it's well the cars nowadays will run farther, but it's the price to get you there. And, yeah, sure. you know, and the 2012, you know, it's funny. I had a We had to work on a what did we work on the other day in the shop? A 2004 Toyota Camry. And it's been a while since, I'd, since I've seen one. I don't know why. It's just, you know, that, that's an old car. Because they don't break down. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that, that you, know, you know, I never thought of it like that, Steve. But, you know, it's also, you know, here in New Jersey, a 2004, that's an old car. It's, everybody's got to have the newest, shiniest. You know, right, they've got right. to have the best and the brightest of everything. And I'm looking at this Camry, and I'm thinking, look at how simple this was to work on and yet i remember seeing those cars in 6 7 and 8 going boy this looks really complicated i don't know if i can deal with this um you know you look at that 12 toyota that 12 rav and they were high tech in their day now compared to the 17 yeah. and the 18 model years right uh, you know they're like it's it's like nothing it's just it's just so so drastically when-
2: we bought it. The uh, our personal, our you know, regular mechanic. I, I negotiated a deal that I got a free hundred thousand mile bumper to bumper warranty. And my personal mechanic said, "You'll never use it, but if it makes you feel better, that's great." We never used it.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just how good they are. So but here yeah. we here we are at a hundred thousand miles. What do you want to do to the car? Obviously, you've been doing the oil changes. Great. We, you know, I'm I'm going to assume that all of this is needs to be done, or at least I'm going to put it in your brain that you think that maybe I've got to take a look at some of this. All right, uh-huh. a brake fluid flush is a great is a great thing to do if if it hasn't been done yet. The car is five years old. It, you know, it, changing brake fluid on a regular basis is good for any vehicle. It brake right. brake fluid. The college word is hygroscopic. It absorbs moisture. And, you know, if you look on a bottle of brake fluid, pick one up the next time you're in the supermarket and read the back of the instructions. It always says keep lid closed tightly once opened. And that's because it'll absorb moisture right out of the air. You can take a a little paper cup of brake fluid, let it sit on a counter, and in, in a month's time it'll start to turn yellow because it's absorbing moisture. That's contamination. Same thing happens with the car. Brake fluid goes bad. So a brake fluid flush. All right. Obviously, you know, when was the last time the trans was serviced? Manual or stick? A manual or automatic? I'm sorry. Automatic. Automatic. So you know when was the trans serviced ever? Um, this this has Toyota WS fluid, which you know depending upon where you want to read and who you want to talk to, they'll tell you it's either lifetime till the trans blows up or at fifty thousand miles. And we tend to do it at the 50,000-mile mark. Most of the dealers that we know are doing it at the 50,000-mile mark because transfluid trans fluid is one of those funny fluids that you don't want to wait till it gets dark to go, oh, let me change it. Because yeah. once it gets dark, the damage is done. Okay. All right? It's, it's, it's like waiting until you've got a medical problem and then you stop smoking. Um, right. You, right. You, you don't want to do that, all right? All so right. transfluid. If this is an all-wheel drive vehicle, which I believe it is, no. No, no, it's not. No. Okay. Um, yeah, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, it's. Um, what kind of weather do you get in Louisiana? Do you get snow down there?
2: Uh, we had it in two thousand three. <laughs> last the last snow we had.
0: You haven't had snow since two thousand three.
2: I don't think
0: so. I'm pretty sure we have. Tony, my my board engineer, just looked up. He's just like, huh, I guess I'm moving to Louisiana. Yeah. Tom's got a comment. Yeah, when are we coming down? Let's go. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, uh, yeah, no snow since 2003. Wow. That's nutty um so trans fluid you're done uh, look at all the money you saved no it's you know because normally i would tell you if it's an all-wheel drive you want to change differential fluid if there's a transfer case involved you involved you want to do all the driveline fluids now i will tell you this and this does apply to you and everybody else hopefully you've been doing regular fuel system maintenance as far as yeah. carbon cleanings yeah. and you know some fuel additive in the tank and beyond that You know, I don't think this is a timing belt motor. I think this is a chain motor.
2: It's a a chain. I checked
0: on that. And, you know, beyond that, just I'd wax the headlights to keep them from getting dull and make sure the wiper blades look good and air and cabin filters. What about the rear,
2: anything on the rear end?
0: Yeah, there's there's nothing. Well, there is no rear end. You just said this is a front-wheel drive. Oh, you're right. You're
2: right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, this is a front-wheel
0: drive. Uh, okay. You know, I can't, I can't, so, I can't sell you a rear end service if you don't have one. <laughs> that's that's like selling the guy automatic trans fluid service and he's got a clutch in the car. Oops.
2: Right. Okay. So now just do whatever the Toyota transmission fluid is. You don't have anything that you think is. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Toyota. Toyota WS fluid is fine. You know, okay what
2: a, what about what do you recommend for a fuel additives?
0: Um, I like Berryman you know I just got, I had an email this week and somebody was asking me about fuel system cleaning and they were they were bringing up a couple of brands and a couple of manufacturers and my my email answer then is the same as now. I think that cars are cars are like a moving target. their technology is always changing. fuel quality, fuel formulations around the country are always changing. And I think the winner in terms of fuel system cleaning goes to those that stay up with the technology. Berryman with their Hess technology, which is proprietary to them has really stayed up with the technology they they are constantly trying to hit that moving target and they have and they do and it's one of the reasons their their Berryman fuel additive for the tank works so well all right it's it's it, it really does make a difference. Using it as directed on the back of the can. Um, yeah. You know, it's more information at BerrymanProducts.com, I believe. You know, you can typically find it either online or your local O'Reilly Auto Parts, uh, you know, but it, Berryman would be the way to go. And then talk to your mechanic. What is he like for a, you know, if you need it for a, um, you know, a full-time, a full-service fuel injection cleaning um, using something where you want to uh you know give the machine give the uh engine one big shot, and maybe you don 't have to you know if you use enough additive along the way or enough um supplement along the way sometimes you don know, 't it 's not necessary to do a a full fuel injection cleaning. it depends on where you are what part of the country, and how the vehicle 's running but right. you know fuel system maintenance like that, and then obviously a throttle body cleaning um is part of this also. Uh, take the air intake duct off, clean the throttle plates, wipe everything out. You may have to do a battery uh, or memory reset, disconnect the battery, short the terminals together with a 10-ohm, 1-watt wire just so we don't have any computer issues and let it relearn its idle speed. But, um, you know, do those things, and you're good for another 100,000 miles at least. That sounds good to me. All right, Thanks sir. a bunch. You're very welcome, Steve. Good luck to you. Um, wow, no snow since 2003. What are we doing wrong? So we can be down there on the Gulf Coast? Have some shrimp? Yeah, I don't know. We'd miss New Jersey. We'd miss the snow, fellas. No, no. Everybody's saying no. Okay. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Even Motorhead Matt Boy, he joined the union right away. I'm not. I don't want no stinking snow. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron Annie, the car doctor and crew, coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back, Ron and Amy, the car doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's do a quick piece of email. Before we get back to the busy phones, and we're going to go to Mark in Wisconsin next in just one second. Hey, Ron, I hope you're not reading this when I sent it. When did he send this? Oh, 10 o'clock at night. Why, well, I'm up at 10 o'clock at night sometimes. If I take a nap at 7, I can get back up, and I'm, I'm up till 10 o'clock at night. A couple of questions about selling cars. Best way to sell, and I assume you have no contacts with people who buy lots of cars. Best way to sell a car, and then second question, any thoughts, how much we we get for our Sienna Herbo? This is from my customer, Herb Cooper. Mr. Cooper, Cooper Duper. Um, You know... <laughs> Listen, you, you got to find out what it's worth. And it's the, the easiest way to decide that you want to sell a car is, you know, what's the one you've got worth? And the easiest way to find that out is start reading the papers. All right. You know, pr- price dictates demand or, you know, demand dictates price. Uh, they go hand in hand. Uh, you know, if 2004 Toyota Sienna's are worth 10 grand, then yours is worth 10 grand. If they're 10 grand in the Kelly Blue Book, but people are only paying five for them, then guess what? They're worth five. Uh, the real question is how many people are looking for it? The rule of thumb becomes when pricing a car, if it's, you know, and this one in particular, folks, that I, I'm aware of this car, has got a lot of miles on it, but it's had very good maintenance. We've maintained it since day one, um, and we've been, we've been given, you know, freedom to do what we need to do to take care of the car. Uh, but here's a car with probably encroaching 180,000 miles on it, I, th- I think, or close to 200. And, you know, it's, it's got some life left in it. Um, you know, it's worth a couple of grand. The question is, you know, how do you want to go about selling it? It's, you know, I, for one, don't like people coming to the house or the shop. I tend to make quiet, private deals with people I know and say, here, take this car. I'll give you a good price. Make it go away. Not that I've gotten rid of it. I can't remember the last time I sold a used car actually thinking about it. Um, I tend to collect too many things. Um, I've got to look in the backyard. No wonder I can't get back there. There's probably too many cars. I've got to really get rid of something. But I tell you what, I wish I had the 72 Monte Carlo from when I was a kid because I just went out and bought another one, and that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, Herb, I'll have to give Herb a call. But I guess the the point becomes when you talk about selling a car is you've really got to look at what do you want to deal with, what's it worth, what are people paying for like models with same mileage and roughly the same condition – and how much time do you have to put up with it all? And keep in mind that, you know, be careful when you sell a used car. You want to make sure that you get somebody's signature in writing as is, or if you're selling it with a warranty, or if you're selling it with components that were replaced. So they put a trans in it, and now it's got a warranty that's transferable. You want to make sure, you, if you're the buyer, that you get all that paperwork. If you're the seller, you give all that paperwork, so this way it makes a better deal for everybody on both sides of the fence. Um, anyway, just my thoughts. Let's go over and talk to Mark in Wisconsin, 2002 Ford Sport Trek, and some training issues. Mark, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hi, Ron. Uh,
2: good talking to you again. I talked to you a few years back on some other issues. Sure. Um, I've got a 2002 Sport Trek with 119000 on it. I bought it with 42000 on it, and I changed the transmission fluid about 50,000 miles. I had it flushed and, uh, and the filter changed. And just recently, oh, within the last year, it started to shift rough. It's kind of lurching into the gears um, from out of first into second. It'll sometimes hesitate and then jump into the gear. It's an automatic, of course. Right. And I just wondering if you have any idea. The fluid's nice and clean. I had a, a mechanic check it. He said, well, the fluid looks good and everything else, but he didn't have, you know, other than a transmission replacement, which I'm not ready to do. If, if there's some kind of a, um, you know, additive that could... I don't be used to help
0: it out. I, you know, and I, I mean, take your pick, Mark. There's, there's so many editors out there, and it's, it's going to be a case that I think there's something mechanically wrong with the trans, whether it's a bad server or a broken accumulator spring or just, just, just something is not as good as it used to be. The question becomes, and once the additive doesn't fix it, the question will become, mm-hmm. do you pull the trans out of the car and go through that pain? Is it something that can be repaired in the vehicle? And then, at that point it's it's a fourteen going on fifteen year old vehicle with a hundred thousand miles on mm-hmm. it. You know if you've got to pull the trans out, you're probably going to end up putting a trans in it, it you know if it needed right. if it needed a thousand dollars worth of widgets, would you put the thousand dollars worth of widgets in it, or would you put the three thousand dollars worth of trans in it and And those um, were, yeah. yeah and and yeah, and see those are the questions you really got to answer in your head you know it's mm-hmm. listen I'll, I'll i'll say it to you like this don't tell anybody but my suburban's broken all right the 56000 mile maintained like a princess all right uh suburban it 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 needs a torque converter all right i can i can i can get it up to fourth gear cruising down the highway at 60 miles an hour converter lock up comes on and the thing chatters like a banshee and i'm just trying to find the time to do it and you know the question becomes here it is at 56000 miles Am I going to pull the trans and just do a converter? Am I going to pull the trans and do a trans? I'm going to pull the trans and do a trans. Not because That'd I be can. The time
2: to do it. Yeah, it's you know
0: not because I can, but because you know what? Taking the trans in and out on an 4 Suburban like on an 2 Explorer, it's not it's 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 not a walk in the park. It's not it's not ten minutes. All right. And it's, it's 15 years old, and it's 12 years old, and you don't want to have to do this three times. Um, I, want to, I want to fix it so I can drive it and take it where I want to go. You know, one of, the things, one of the things I've said for a very long time is it seems that engines last a lot longer today in vehicles. They really do. Uh, you know, I can't tell you the last time, and I'm probably going to jinx myself, or I'm going to get the phone call, Wait, let me find some wood in the studio knock wood, right, um, that, that the last time you had an engine just let go. When was the last time you had an engine failure? Right? I've never had one. Right. But trans failure still seem to exist. You know, if I told everybody in the audience to raise their hand, half of America would put their arms up that, you know, suffer trans failure. So I think the number becomes that if you're going to worry about fixing the trans at all, whatever it is, put a trans in it. If you're going to keep the vehicle, put a trans in it. If you're driving the vehicle in bad weather, it's a game of where's it going to get stuck and what time of night will it be and will you be in a safe or unsafe position. Fix the trans. I hope that helps you, Mark. That about does it for me. i got to pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, at your service at 855-560-9900. And the website for Berryman is BerrymanProducts.com. You can get out there and find out more information about fuel system cleaning and uh, Berryman, their um, Hess technology. Let's get over and talk to Mike in New Jersey, 2008 Chevy Silverado and some uh, issues on line one there with uh, some issues. Uh, let's see, trans is rebuilt and got a no start. Mike, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Actually, what happened, Ron, is, is um, I'm the guy that's uh, your vision-impaired listener from Dinellon.
0: Oh, you're the guy.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm the guy. You're yeah. the guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see if we can tell you succinctly what's happening here. The guy had the trans rebuilt, the lines replaced, and he went to start the car the next day and found that it was dead. They jumped it and found out that the uh, automatic headlights were on, We went through the book from head to toe and tried every procedure, including the dome light, whatever that is, that procedure, four times, and um, cannot shut the headlights off.
0: But the headlight switch has a position for off.
1: Yeah, I know, but it stays on. Okay. It's an automatic. uh,
0: Right, but but there's an override built into the headlight switch.
1: Well apparently it's not working, so right. I don't know whether there's a short or what and I wondered if you'd ever heard of anything like that.
0: Um I can't say I haven't heard of it. I can't say that it's not impossible. What I would do to diagnose it is I would grab a scan tool and first thing I would do is shoot all the codes in the car and then I would take a look at the body module, go into data stream. And look to see, does the BCM, does the body computer, report correct inputs from the headlight switch as indicated? So, in other words, headlights in automatic mode, it records automatic. Headlights turned off, does it record that it's off? Headlights on high beam, does it go on high beam? Does the computer see the input and switch requests from the switch itself? And if well, not, I'm, then I could start my diagnosis from there and look to see what component failed or what's at could, fault.
1: Could it be if the battery was... It was killed overnight with the headlights. Um, that the computer lost its memory and has to be driven so far to re- restore the codes.
0: I'm not going to say it's impossible, Mike, but it's got to be unlikely. I've never run into that. There are no. there are some occurrences. I had a I had a Volkswagen this week. Oh,
1: good, yeah. That, you know what that stands. That, for.
0: Well, right, and and I had a Volkswagen this week that needed a secondary air pump. It had a P2432 secondary air pump fault. And I had to put the little $200 plastic tube kit sensor and all this other nonsense in it. And when I started it up, it had an air ABS and a traction control light on that just, mm. it was on. I, I just, I just disconnect I, didn't even disconnect, I didn't disconnect the battery on that car um, no. and started it up. No, I take that back. I did disconnect the battery because I had to put a battery in it. That was the other problem with okay. it. Okay. And the light stayed on until I hit six miles an hour and then it went off.
1: But, isn't there like isn't there like a flash uh, a flash drive you can uh, to, you know when you take the battery off can you can you hook up something to that so it doesn't lose a memory
0: you can but the problem becomes with this car it had already had a dead battery and I wasn't necessarily worried okay. about it now okay. now for whatever reason because the car had to be jumped by a by roadside to get it brought into the shop um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the only thing that was on when it came in was the check engine light, but something changed the second time around, but it, it reset itself within, you know, going six miles an hour. My point is, it doesn't sound likely that, you know, the BCM gets electronically stuck. I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, probably one of the simplest things you could try is disconnect both battery cables and, you know... Touch the two battery cables, not the battery, but short the two battery cables together
1: together and kill the kill the memory
0: right using a 10 ohm one watt wire you know've you've, right. you've got to get a resistor that's 10 ohms one watt capacity um, okay. and you know solder that in and just you know go across it and leave it on there for a couple of minutes now well, I- they, they just had the trans replaced.
1: Uh, yeah, and all the lines going, too, because the whole, the whole undercarriage is like rusted on it.
0: Right. So, you know, the other thing I'd be thinking, if they didn't have the problem before we put the trans in, then is it possible that we've got a wire pinched somewhere or a wiring harness stuck Could've on been. something somewhere? Uh, you know, it's you've got to retrace your steps now.
1: Don't you have that same vehicle?
0: Exact same vehicle. 2008 it, Silverado. It, it I have what? a one-ton. I have a 3500.
1: Yeah, that's why I thought it was interesting. Yeah,
0: um, And as a matter of fact, they do rust out. That year seems to be, you know, it's it's the 8s, the 9s, the 7s. They do have a propensity to rust.
1: Very and, hard shift in the second gear, no matter when the car was new or now that it's been rebuilt. Man, that's really smack second gear. Yeah. Can't say you can even get a chirp out of if, you, if you have yeah, hard I, enough I, throttle.
0: I can't say I've got that issue, but I do have the rust issue. I'm still in the process of... Um, a little Benjamin Moore low-luster alkali paint and, well, you know, cleaning, scraping, and painting everything as much as I can when I can. So, well, all right. You know. Yeah, Mike, you have, Mike, did Mike have one more question? Mike. Uh, What's that? Did you have one more question, Mike? About what? I'm not sure. I thought I heard you, you were going to say something. No,
1: I just uh, was going to thank you for taking my call, and well, I appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome, sir. Good to hear from you again. You stay well. You have a good summer. Yes, sir um let's get over and let's go talk to jack in lacrosse wisconsin 2012 colorado jack welcome to the car doctor sir how can i help
1: well great thanks ron um well i we've had a lot of rain in our area and uh, my vehicle i uh i had to back it in some water uh up to the the body to take care of some issues and rescue something and uh the it was sat in water for like fifteen twenty minutes, and one of the mechanics in the area told me oh, I should be draining all the, the differential and the, the rear end and uh, out. It's a four wheel drive, of course, uh, uh, because there might have been water in it. But uh, you know, I just thought I'd call you and see if you th- thought there was would be an issue in how, how, how uh, many, that how, at
0: How all? many miles on it, Jack?
1: Uh, there's fifty thousand miles on yeah. it.
0: Yeah, let's change all the fluids. Let's 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 change all the drive. Let's change all the drive line fluids. A because it was immersed in water. Uh, B it's not exactly sunshine in Wisconsin year round, and it's I'm sure it's been out in its share of bad weather. Right, it's a four wheel drive vehicle. Yes. Uh, you know it's you yes. guys. You know it's it's out in tough weather, and all of that plays a part. And, and C, see, it's got fifty thousand miles on it. It's time to change all the driveline fluids anyway. And you know, okay. I mean, let's do differential. Let's do transfer case if it hasn't been done yet. Let's do trans. Let's do the front differential. And while we're worried about fluids, let's change brake fluid. Let's do a brake fluid flush. And you know, you'll you'll be amazed at a how much better the brake pedal feels if it's done right. And you're promoting the longevity and the life of the rest of the drive line. You know, it's it's fluids. Okay. Fluids do have a finite life, and you're going to find that all doing all this stuff. Much to the dismay of marketing departments of car companies because it makes cars last longer. But guess what? It makes cars last longer. It's worth doing.
1: All right? Okay. Wonderful. Well, thanks for your advice, Ron. You're
0: very welcome, thanks. sir. Good luck to you. Um, yeah, it's still, you know, as complicated as cars are, as technologically driven, as computer chip-mounted they are, it just takes just, just maintenance. Just, just do some maintenance to the car, and you'll be amazed about how far it'll go. So uh, just food for thought. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, going to pull over and take a pause. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor. Let's, um, I want to talk a little bit about your rate. And I thought this would be an interesting story. We fixed this car recently at the shop. A 2004 Toyota Sienna came in, and it had a yaw rate sensor fault. Yaw rate, all right, it's not yawn rate, not because we're coming to the end of the show. Tony, stay awake. All right. It's yaw rate is when you're driving down the road and you step hard on the brakes, the front of the car dips, right? It, it, it drops. It's, it's yaw. It's like think of a boat, all right? And they call it yaw rate. Well, there's a yaw rate sensor that can tell what the angle is of the front the back and the sides of the vehicle, so it knows how stable is the car going into a fast brake application or a high-speed turn or an ABS event or a traction control event, something along those lines. They have to know what the inclination is of the vehicle. They've got a yaw rate sensor. This particular Toyota had a yaw, had had fault codes 1210 and 1234, which ultimately led to the failure of the yaw the diagnosis of the urate sensor had failed. It's uh, 12.10 as the zero-point calibration becomes undone. The, the point at which, how can I explain it? The point at which the sensor is at rest, all right? uh, You know, stand still for a minute. Get your balance. Get a sense of where you are. That's zero-point calibration. That's where you are in the room. Tony, stay awake, all right? Tony, Tony, Tony's meditating his belly button here, all right? So that's zero-point calibration. Now as Tony goes walking down the hall or you drive your vehicle down the road, if you step on the brake hard or Tony slips, his yaw rate, your yaw rate is off, your, your nose down. The computer tries to compensate. In Tony's case, it tries to pull him back to keep him from slipping and falling and hurting himself. The vehicle computer will try by application of brake as you're braking to control which way the vehicle's going. It creates stability. So the zero-point calibration came undone, and the 1234 was just a general sensor circuit fault. So I went through some diagnosis. I went through and looked at the connector using a multimeter, and, you know, I verified I had 5-volt power supply. I had, um, you know, less than 100 millivolt drop across ground. I verified signal out. And I found that the sensor itself was bad. I'm coming to the point in a minute, Tony. Stay awake. Turns out that when you replace the sensor, and I knew this, and I thought this tied in with my comments before about scan tool. turns out that when you replace the yaw rate sensor on this car, like a lot of cars, you've got to go through a yaw rate signal reset, meaning you've got to have a computer to talk to the car computer. You've got to tell it, hey, look at me. I changed this part. All right? That allows the computer to reset the yaw rate. That helps it find, want to go back to that again? You know, just stand still, middle of the room, find zero. Yaw rate sensor calibration. Sometimes I think we all need to calibrate our yaw sensor in the middle of the week. So the point becomes, when you look at scan tools, you know, a lot of you call me up and say, hey, Ron, I, I want to buy a scan tool that can do... Everything, Or I, I want it wanted to do what the dealer does, or I want it to be able to work on the car. An OBD2 scan tool, something that only speaks OBD2 language, cannot do a yaw rate sensor calibration. It doesn't have special function and controls built into it. But something like a Snap-on Modus, or an OTC Evolve, or a Launch X431 – They will have special functions built into them on the manufacturer's side of the tool, something other than OBD2. Now, interesting to note because, and we've gotten, and I thought of all of you when I did this repair, in that the C1210 and the C1234, the faults that were in the traction control system, you wouldn't pick those out using an OBD2 generic tool. Reason being, OBD-2 is only vehicle emissions. The point of all this is that scan tools are, you know, they're just as important as a screwdriver today, as a screwdriver was 30 years ago. Maybe it's as important as a hammer is to some repair shops today. I'm not really sure. I'll fix it. So point being that when you're working on something, make sure you got a scan tool that will deal with it. This car had been to more than a few repair shops. They didn't have the ability to reset the yaw sensor. We put a new yaw sensor in it, reset it, cleared the code. Car has been fixed. It's been gone 10 days. And it really is coming down to the age of specialization. You can see where things are going to be in a very short period of time. I think in the next two to five years, you're going to start to see repair shops putting up signs that we work on these four or five specific vehicles that, you know, brands, Toyota, Honda, Ford, GM, Chrysler, that kind of thing, because the technology is just increasing exponentially. And it's becoming a concern for everybody from repair shops to vehicle manufacturers to scan tool manufacturers, and you wonder how and when and what we're going to be able to do to keep up. So, But um, just be aware. A simple thing like a uh, an old Ford Toyota Sienna, um, a mommy go to soccer vehicle, uh, you know, changing your rate sensor, you got a scan tool that does special function and reset. Um, it's all part of the process. Eight five five scan tool. There it is. There he is. Tony's awake. Thank God, I was worried. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back to wrap it up right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on the of the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Keep in mind that number is 24-7. Uh, We're going to go off the air in a little bit here, but you can call 855-560-9900. And there's a 24-hour messaging service there. You can call and leave a message, and Motorhead Matt will call you during the week and get you in the uh, get you in the queue for the next week's show. The next live broadcast, Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. on the network. And keep in mind, wherever you are, you can call 855-560-9900. Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time here in the continental United States. And not only will you get to talk to me, but you get to talk to Motorhead Matt, who has an expensive – I found out it's not an extensive knowledge of automobiles – but an expensive knowledge of automobiles after he's tried to repair them, but that's a whole other story. Um, anyway, Steve Rosenthal has written me once again. I love Steve. He's a great guy down Virginia way. Ron, I'm amazed at a state with so many regulations. He makes some really solid points here. I'm amazed at a state with so many regulations. He's referring to New Jersey. Try owning, let alone carrying a handgun there such as New Jersey, is so lax with auto inspections. The Virginia inspection, once a year, is pretty superficial, but at least it's something. Tires, brakes, suspension, and lights. Parts of the state require an emission inspection, which is a readout of the OBD-2. Once a year as well, the more rural areas are exempt. Uh, You know, Steve makes an excellent point. How come you can't carry a gun? It's hard enough to own a gun, let alone carry a gun in New Jersey, but... You can put somebody in a 3,000-pound missile with bad ball joints, bald tires, cracked windshield, and no windshield wipers. You can go down the road at 60 miles an hour in the dark and... You know, what's that old expression? Ted Kennedy's car has killed more people than my gun has. Um, Remember that bumper sticker from the 60s or the 70s? See, Tom, I never forget. I'm like an elephant. All right. Um, Full moon day at the shop. 1999 Lincoln with dry-rotted tires and a dragging brake. I love Steve. He gives me the update on what I got. I just want to get this in real quick. What an idiot this owner is. He should get rid of the car and just take cabs. He'd probably save money overall if he only goes 2,000 miles a year. He shouldn't drive the car a block. You know what, Steve? I think you're right. Maybe this guy should get in the habit of calling Uber versus getting rid of the car at the cost of insurance. It probably would be a lot cheaper in the long run. Steve, keep the letters coming. I love them all, and I love all of you. Thanks for letting me be part of your day. I'm Ron Ananey and in the car doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.